You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. For the next hour, you're listening to the Classic Auto Mall show and podcast, broadcast from the Classic Auto Mall studio in Morgantown, Pennsylvania. Classic Auto Mall is a world-class facility conveniently located just an hour west of Philadelphia and houses 600 classic cars for sale and 300 barn finds on display. Be sure to check out more at ClassicAutoMall.com. Now on to the show with our host, President of Classic Auto Mall, Stuart Howden. And good morning to our listeners. Good morning, Steve, and good morning, Jr. How's everybody this morning? Well, well, well. It's smoky outside. What the heck? Another smoky day. Are they doing smoky burnouts at the Maple Grove Raceway right that up could the be street? It. Could that be it? That could be I it. I think not. I think it's, it's the- not as yellow as it was a couple weeks ago. So maybe <laughs> it is tires. Well, I think the yellow had to do with the pollen too. So, oh, you know, I'm no expert about this thing, <laughs> but you know, it's a lot of smokiness coming from Canada. So yeah, yeah, um, it, it's one of those things that uh, we can't really control. We don't really know what. What's causing it other than wildfires and global warming and all that other stuff but uh but anyway we'll deal with it and uh it's it was it was permeating our house actually even so uh anyway welcome to the show uh last weekend was a great and a, a bittersweet weekend i had uh, uh we were at the philly concord elegance which was a lot of fun right. coach dick vermeil and his winery were there and uh they were sampling wines from uh, his uh, grapes of wrath that are grown in somewhere in california i don't know where napa somewhere and uh, he's such a great guy too and he knows all about classic automobile mm-hmm. so and we know all about him that's so. great <laughs> we love dick vermeil he's a great guy yeah great. he's a great guy and of course my son doesn't like dick vermeil because my son uh, was a is a huge Tennessee Titans fan, and the Titans got beat by the Rams in 1999, wow. or actually 2000, mm-hmm. at the Super Bowl by literally inches. Yeah. So, uh, and and when he found out my son was a Titans fan, he said, "Take a picture of my ring and send it to him." <laughs> so he actually you know modeled the ring nice. and sent it off to him. So anyway, but it was a bittersweet weekend last uh, weekend because we lost. One of the giants in the collector car hobby and industry that maybe a lot of people don't know, Grant Miller from uh, Lock Haven, Pennsylvania. Grant has been a champion of this hobby for years and years and years. I met him at the eBay Cruise Days in Auburn, Indiana in 2001, 2002, and just a great guy. And he did he has a dealer auction, a once-a-week dealer auction, and basically used car dealer auction that they run every Thursday in Lock Haven. And about 22 years ago, he started doing a classic sale. And it's been uh, just unbelievably successful. He um, he's he's buys great cars. He he stocks the auction with about fifty of his own cars, and the, and the sale is four hundred cars. And uh, just uh, it's an amazing collection of cars. And it's in the middle of nowhere. And he throws legendary parties. Which is nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Although the one time I was, the first time I went to the auction, they had this big trough with ice cold long neck Budweisers. And I reached in to grab one and there was a jagged no. edge of one and it sliced my hand wide oh, open. Man. And I had to go get stitches and I bummed out the whole party. That, so. that stinks. Anyway, Grant passed away at the age of 89. Uh, if you've never been to his auction, it's coming up July uh, 16th through the, no, that's incorrect. It's July 13th. Uh, through the 15th in Lock Haven, PA. It's their 22nd annual 400 cars on, on display and, uh, on, for sale. Uh, cpaautoauction.com is their website. And one of Grant's favorite lines, and I, I still love this line, is you'll never go broke taking a profit. 
<laughs> I'd come to him, I'd have one of his cars sold, and he'd say, uh, hmm. well, what do we got for it? And I said, well, we didn't get as much as we were asking. And he goes, yeah, but, but where are we? And I said, uh, we can get 50 for it, and you know, we paid 45 for it. And he said, well, we'll never go broke making, taking a profit. So, nice. uh, I, I love that statement. So, uh, new cars in inventory this week, uh, 914 cars in inventory, by the way. Oh. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> you say that so oh. I thought we were a little low on consignments this week, but it's Well, it looks like we're right on right on cue. You know what you know what hinders consignments? Um the rain. Right. The weather. That's right. Yeah. Or the smoky, foggy, whatever. Yeah, and know. it has been a rainy week. And it has been very rainy. And all of a sudden now there's no rain and we're into summer in just a matter of seconds. Although we're not getting it like the south. Or the south. That's right. Mid, mid, mid south, they call it. Yeah, the mid south in Texas and all that. They're getting, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, new inventory in this week. 98 Jeep Wrangler TJ. Have you ever heard of a Wrangler TJ? No. It's a turbo diesel. Oh. Yeah. Cummins turbo diesel R28. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a new five speed manual, Clayton short arm lift and, uh, a Dana, you know, G2 core Dana 44 axles, which I have no idea what that means mm. or what that does. But, uh, anyway, it's a really a neat piece because I don't think I've ever seen a Wrangler diesel. Mm. No, I haven't either. Yeah, so uh, unusual piece, probably one of those that will not last for long around here, as mm. we like to say. Right. Um, and also, did you see the 67 Ford Galaxy 500 two-door hardtop? You didn't, because I can tell, by the way, you won't look at me in the eye. <laughs> you got to send me these lists a week ahead of time so I yeah. have a chance to see everything. It, this is my favorite color on a car, only because I don't love the color. I love the name, Candy Apple Red. Yeah, of course. That is just such a cool it's name. A Whoever came, who came up with that? Do we I don't know, know but, it's, but it's a unique color. If you know podcast at classicautomall.com. It'll be our trivia contest. And if you get the right answer and you're the first one, I'll send you one of our really good, cool, monogrammed, embroidered hats. Nice. Who came up with Candy Apple? Candy, candy Apple, apple for Candy Apple Yeah. Red. It's probably, a, you know. Some hot rodder in well, California. Sure you, could, you know, I, I'm sure if I just turned to my left and Googled it, I would find that Don't answer. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm not playing that way. I'm playing good. fair. So um, anyway. Um, the Galaxy 500 rebuilt 390s and it's a C6 automatic, matic. It's got the deluxe Marty report, which mm-hmm. is basically the, the shows the, uh, the birth certificate of the car. That's about the best way to put it. DNA. The DNA of it. Kevin Marty, uh, bought all the records from Ford for, uh, Galaxies and Mustangs and all the Ford products of the 60s. And so now he has this incredible database of all, how many were built, how many were built in this particular color, this particular style, blah, blah, blah. And it's an amazing collection of that. And unfortunately, General Motors didn't do that. So, uh, and we've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. So, but it's got the rare reclining passenger seat. Wait, this one guy owns all the records? Yeah. Can he just put it up on the internet? I guess he could. It's like the Shelby. It's like SAC. It's like uh, the Shelby Automobile Club. Right, you know, right. They have all that stuff. You can't find most of that online. You have to. There's certain people who have it. Yeah, and I mean that's people say, oh, you can find everything you want to find mm-hmm. online, but that's not ex- entirely mm-hmm. true. There's a lot of information that is still not out that's there. Right. I still mean, paper. Still paper. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know. I mean, I think at some point in time, it'll you know everything will be there, and it seems like everything is there, right? Right, but it's not. You're but right. it's not. You're right. So anyway, the Galaxy 500, great new inventory. Also, uh, 2021. Dodge Challenger RT Scat Pack Wild Wide Body. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the name of the color. I love this pitch black. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is that's black. It is. Um, it's ceramic coated inside mm-hmm. or outside. It's got a 392, 485 horsepower Hemi Shaker Patrick package, uh, Tremec six speed. Now you say that sounds like a lot of power, Stuart. 485 mm-hmm. horsepower Hemi. Have you seen the new <laughs> Demon 170? <170? laughs> mm-hmm. This thing has got a thousand eighty-five horsepower. Mm. 
no, 1,025 horsepower, mm-hmm. 945 pound-feet of torque. Uh, it goes 0 to 60 in 1.66 seconds. Oh, my goodness. Now, the regular Demon can only do it in 2.6 <laughs> seconds. And this car can do it on E85. Right. The old Demon had to have 100-octane racing fuel to get to that horsepower. You can put anything in it, oh. but it, it wouldn't get to that horsepower level. Um, and it's the first factory production muscle car to achieve a sub-nine-second quarter mile. Wow. Yeah. So pretty crazy. <laughs> this is the fact that got me. The fuel injectors are upgraded, obviously, because mm. it needs to flow a lot of fuel. It'll flow 164 gallons of fuel per hour. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Really? Think about that. So in an That's hour at full throttle, yeah, I guess you could burn 164 gallons of fuel. If it held that much. If it, well, yes, you would have to. You would like a refueling yeah, thing. Uh, yeah. One of those Airplane. C-165s yeah. that could fly over it and refuel wow. it as it goes. So, <clears throat> Obviously a track car. Yeah, <clears throat> and it runs on corn. So, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and they're only building 3,300 of them. And the Challenger and the Charger are coming to an end right. in December of this year. So, <clears throat> And the Demon 170 is the is the model of the car and the 170 stands for the proof rating of the E85 fuel. So it'd be like it'd be like, you know, pure grain alcohol or something. So when the when the GNX came out they said this is the Grand National to end all Grand National. Right. So that's what this is basically. Yeah, the it's demon to end all, all demons. demons yeah. And I and one just sold a charity for $700,000. Mm. So wow. um yeah, it was of course that was a a charity thing and you write your check to the charity. Mm-hmm. It's a write off, but it's kind of nice when you can donate to a charity and get something, you know, not just write sure. a check and you don't get anything. So right. That's right. big on these auctions, and you see that at Barrett-Jackson a lot with uh, uh, Rick Hendrick from Hendrick mm-hmm. Motorsports. He'll buy Corvettes and serial number 000001, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it's uh, his thing, and it's a nice charity thing, and he gets a cool car for it and a great car for his collection. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you're not in line to get the Dodge uh, Demon 170, I doubt you're going to be able to get one now unless you pay. Right, but this Challenger's nice, though, if you can't get in one yeah. of those. This yeah. is a good-looking car, mean-looking. Yeah. I'm surprised it only has four. What is it, four? Eighty-five horsepower. Yeah, it, looked, it looks a lot faster than that. It looks <laughs> looks more powerful. It seems so technical. It's got Steve. the wide body, you know. <laughs> it's the wide body. scat pack. Scat pack. So, wide so body. you don't want to you don't want to miss that. Yeah, so, um, and then the nineteen fifty four Citroen Traction Avant Normale, uh, black over saddle and plaid, mm-hmm. appropriate color for a French car, uh, three speed manual tranny, one hundred and sixteen cubic inch uh, inline four. Uh, it's really an interesting car. Have you seen? It's crazy yeah. looking. It's yeah, just an oddball looking mm-hmm. car that you never see. And a lot of us have seen Citroen SMs mm-hmm. and different types of Citroens through the years. This is one that you just hardly ever see, and uh, really just a cool car. Mm-hmm. And then of course we got the uh, old American Muscle, the '88 Monte Carlo SS that came in black <laughs> over gray. Two owners, seventeen thousand original miles. Wow. People put that away, huh? They, they, they mothballed that thing. It's still got its original window sticker. Of course, it's the 305 with the 200 R4 automatic. So, right. Yeah. So you use the word muscle advisedly. <laughs> yeah. with those. I mean, you know, yeah. GN guys will, will yeah. berate you for yeah, that. Yeah, of course. And, you know, but it's still a neat car. Oh, yeah. I they're mean, great cars. Know, great yeah. cars. And it's black, which is the perfect color for a uh, Monte Carlo SS. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just one of those neat cars that uh, – and it's affordable. In the world of collector right, cars. Exactly. And you won't be kicked out of any car show. I mean, you couldn't go to the Concorde d'Elegance, no. but. <laughs> That's a nice car. 17,000 yeah. miles. Good luck trying yeah, to find one. Yeah. You just don't find them. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it, it looks to be in, you know, in the wrapper, as we like to say, condition wise. So, uh, and then, uh, we got a 55 Ford Fairlane Crown Vicky, tropical rose and snowshoe white over magenta and white. 
That's a mouthful. Mm-hmm. And really an interesting car. I mean, you talk about 50s iconic. It's got the 272 cubic inch Y block, the V8. Fordomatic automatic, and uh, the chrome is—it's like perfect. It's just—it's unbelievable how nice it is. So that's where the uh, money is—the chrome, you know? and that has the uh, p- picnic basket, right? The thing. Yeah, exactly. I love that exactly. Car. And the plaid interior, mm-hmm. so very cool. Because plaid, you know, I mean, plaid pants—you know—the <laughs> coolest thing you could ever. I would wear plaid pants if right, they were, right. you know. I like the plaid interiors from the fifties and the. Paisley, Paisley uh, yeah. interiors from the late, what about the Paisley, late 60s, 70s. What about the Paisley roofs that they put on the oh, car yeah. products in the late 60s right. as well, too? They That's did those special edition cool. type cars, if you will. So uh, anyway, we'll quickly well, – we don't have any time. Well, we'll stretch a little bit. Um, where do cars sell this past week, Steve? You sure. Ask? How about Rolling Hills Estates, California, Platteville, Wisconsin, Gardner, Kansas, Polly's Island, South Carolina. I love that place. Mounds, Oklahoma, Hobe Sound, Florida, Colts Neck, New Jersey, Corsica, Pennsylvania, Roslyn Heights, New York, Olomouc, Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. How does the second letter of Z? (laughs) (laughs) Fresno, California, Myerstown, Pennsylvania, Dunmore, Pennsylvania, Bordentown, New Jersey, Flat Rock, North Carolina, Jamesville, New York, Hamburg, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. You know who lives in Colts Neck? Who? Bruce Springsteen. Well, there you go. Maybe he bought a car. Maybe he did. It would have been a 1989 Chrysler Fifth Avenue, which I uh, doubt would be I don't know. at the you, top of his list of, of cars to buy. You but, never know. But you know, our guest may know some trivia answer to that right, as well, right. too. When we return, uh, we'll return with our special guest, uh, Obi O'Brien. And if you've never heard of Obi O'Brien, you're going to know all about him by the end of this uh, couple of segments we're going to do with him. Great producer and engineer and uh, and a car guy, too. And that's the whole thrust of this, right? Although I'm a music guy, too. So anyway. Anyway, when we return, we'll be back with uh, Obi O'Brien. We'll see you in just a minute. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. It's a museum, it's a showroom, it's an experience. The Classic Auto Mall in Morgantown, Pennsylvania is 336,000 square feet of rare custom and specialty automobiles on display and on consignment. From the earliest production cars to modern exotics, Classic Auto Mall is a feast for the eyes and the memories. Stroll through time in any season in this climate-controlled facility that you simply have to see to believe. Admission is free, just remember to bring comfortable shoes. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back with the Classic Auto Mall podcast from the Classic Auto Mall studio in beautiful downtown sunny Morgantown, Pennsylvania. What are you grimacing at, Steve, over there? You look, <laughs> that is a grimace. And welcome to the studio, O.B. O'Brien. Thank you so much for being here. We Hi. just met a couple of weeks ago, well, a month ago, I guess it was, yeah. right? Uh, you just wandered in here off the street. To see yep, nine hundred and some odd cars. Yeah, how'd I, you hear about us? Well, I, I think anybody who's into cars knows about the place. Right, and uh, I used to come up here. My wife and I would drive up here. You know where the windmill oh, is? Yeah, yeah, right absolutely. across the street from that was a really amazing flea market. Right, 
now it's a, a much nicer knick-knack right. kind of place. Right. But I bought one of my early jukeboxes I bought up there at that place. Really? It was all kind. They had tools and jukeboxes, and once in a while you would come up and there would be some instrument, and it was either something really cool or a total piece of crap. But Or something just so oddball, right? Yeah. I mean, like a... Uh, so pan fluter. <laughs> we used to just drive up here because we thought this was like, you know, going into the Another. country. You know, this was like where we lived. You know, That's what was the you know the city, and and you would come up here and you'd be go like, yeah, I'm out. You know, and now I live in this part of the world, and it's a great part of the world, by the way. It's- it it is. It's a when I first moved there, it was a little bit of culture shock. <laughs> Did you have to get one of those sound machines that made the sounds of sirens and trucks uh, no, and cars? Going no, by? <laughs> no, no. It was just, um, you know, when you live in a really rural area like mm-hmm. where we live, right. you know, a lot of Amish farms. Sure. You know, it's a, and there's a hill on my road with a couple curves. So if you, on a Sunday, right. if you get behind like eight, Oh. Buggies, you really can't get by them, and you're looking. Your speedometer is not; it's just sitting on the thing. You're going so slow, it's not even registering. That's slow, and it's always like we well, got. I got to get to the airport, or I got yeah, right, to the train right, station. Right. Well, you know that's the problem with anything anymore is that people drive by our place all the time, and they will say, and they tell me this all the time. I've been by your place a hundred times, but I'm always in a hurry to go somewhere else. Yeah. So now with the casino. And then we got the, you know, the smorgasbord here, you know, the, the, uh, shady maple. So you got three attractions right here. Uh, I went to the shady maple once. Uh, once. We wanted to see it. And, uh, it was, um, it, it was something everyone should, everybody should go there one time, uh, and just get the ambiance of that place. Cause I mean, they, they, people are bussing in. There's oh, buses. Oh yeah. The like giant yeah. from New York. <laughs> And from Virginia, and I'm like, and I walked in. I went to the supermarket. Right, the, the supermarket. Right. Oh, it's crazy! Is gigundus. <laughs> and and somebody who was working for me wanted Coney Island relish. And you think? And it, I didn't. I didn't know what. I didn't know what particular <laughs> that was. But they had an aisle, and it was like four different kinds. Of Coney Island relish. Get out. And I, and I don't know how, it, it, it seems like it was as big as this place. Yeah, this place is huge. Yeah, it's indescribable almost. Yeah. And people eat like they're going to prison tomorrow. Yeah, it's like <laughs> they're going to the chair. Yeah. yeah. Let me see. So when you ask somebody, how was the food at the Shady Maple? The response is usually not, oh, it was delicious. The response was, I couldn't eat another bite. Yeah, so, <laughs> so we went to that Shady Maple. <laughs> Uh, buffet. Right. I got scared at one point because I was trying to walk this way across the incoming traffic to the food tables, and you realize you you could be killed, lose right a there. limb, or be yeah, killed. You, yeah, you could be trampled to death. They might not find your body for two days. So when we return to the Food Network, uh, we'll, <laughs> anyway, for those of you who don't know Obi O'Brien, he's a Grammy-winning engineer. I know that sounds like you know. Wow, how can that possibly, you know, there are so many different awards out there, but the Grammys are the ones that seem like they are the most important of any award out there in the music business. Would you agree or disagree? Is it, maybe there's something inside we don't know about. You know, it's, it's nice to be nominated. It's nice to, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's your peers are saying, yeah, you, well, you didn't screw it up. Congratulations. (laughs) And they pat you on the back and they, uh, but, yeah, it's 
it's nice to have people that do the same thing that you do. Sure. And it's not, and, and I'm certain that you are equally as appreciative of your fellow engineers and competitors and whatever you want to call it uh, when and, they win. And listen, I, I know some guys that are out there that are unbelievable. Right. That, so much better than me. And, you know, that's a weird thing to say, but sure. like a guy like Bob Clear Mountain, right. who's a very famous engineer, who's mixed for everyone, right. you know, and, and I used to go to Bob's place and, and, you know, you just watch him work and you go, it's like watching a world class athlete. Right. And you just go, how is that possible? Right. It's, they, it, it's easy. It just right. it flows with him. It's yeah. Just so there there are people out there that are so good, and uh, luck has played a big role in well, my sure. in my getting you know to do the records that I've done. So I'm um, I'm I'm okay with it. Well, and you've got you've done some some probably pretty well known artists that you've worked with. Uh, John Bon Jovi, you worked with for well over thirty years now. Yep. Uh, Barbara Streisand, Alice Cooper. You know, I mean. List goes I've, on and I, on and I've on. yeah, I've I've been lucky enough, you know. I got to uh, because of the Bon Jovi connection. I got to work with Jeff Beck, right? Which was like a big deal for me because sure. I loved everything he's ever done. Right. I love the Yardbirds, oh, and the Yardbirds yeah. had three of the greatest guitar players ever yeah, playing that Jimmy band. Page, Jeff yeah. Beck, and Clapton. And Clapton, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How how does that happen? That doesn't even that doesn't even register. And at the time. Did it seem as important as it seems in retrospect? No. Right. No. You, now you realize. Right. And, and here's the thing. You know, there there are guitar players like Eddie Van Halen, right? right. An amazing guy. Yeah. But you go on YouTube and you see young kids and they've they figured out the sound and how he played and mm-hmm. the hammers and all that stuff. So – and they can do a great imitation of him. Right. Uh I've heard people do great imitation of Jimi Hendrix. Right. Jeff Beck was uncopyable. Right. Uncopyable. Right. Wow. And there's very few guitar players. I, I mean, I can think of two. Right. Jeff Beck and a guy named Danny Gatton. Yeah, we, you and I were, before we came on the air, we were talking about Danny Gatton. Danny Gatton. The first time I saw that guy play, I went, what? Because he was <laughs> doing game. things. First of all, you thought there were more than one guitar player playing. Right, right. You mean like 38 Special with like four guitar he, players? And <laughs> I mean, he would play with a pick right. between thumb and first, and then he used his other three fingers to pick inside of it. So, oh, Sort of wow. like Chet Atkins. Yeah, I mean, they, it mm-hmm. all sort of derived from Chet Atkins. Sure. And Les Paul and Chet Atkins, right. you know, a lot of these guitar players, you know, that's what inspired sure. them. And, and Danny was also a car builder. A hands-on car builder. Hands-on, amazing car builder, and just a genuinely amazing, nice human being. You know, and it's so refreshing to meet nice human beings in any walk of life. The music industry, I remember in the early 70s and all through the 70s, there 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 was a lot of egos in the music business. And it doesn't seem like it's quite as much anymore. Is that subsided a little? Well, you know, I think... The music business today, you know, I, I work with a lot of struggling artists sure. because um, it's hard to make money in the business today. When when I started out to get your music heard, you had to be signed to a record label, which was a tough task. And the plus and minuses of a record label were they had a distribution network mm-hmm. uh, nationally and internationally, plus they had money. In their coffers was money because you would buy an album or – remember when CDs first came out, they were like $16. Right. So if a band sold $2 million, that's a lot of money mm-hmm. in the coffers. So the next band to come up, 
they would give you a decent budget to record. Right. They would give you a publishing advance for your songs. Right. And the other thing they would do is give you tour support. Right. Now, I just finished a record for a young artist. Uh, her name is Ione. And uh, she just got signed to a label. She's got a great manager. Uh, and people call me up and they go, you know, you want to take you want your artist to be out on tour with right, right. whoever. And then you go, well, yeah, but we have to. And I had someone offer her uh, a tour th- in Europe. Now you have to put the band together, pay the band, oh my God. fly the band right. per diem. House them. You, yeah. you have to get a bus and even a D-level bus right. that's old. Right. With a driver is going to cost you in the twenty thousand dollar a month. So there's all this money. Right. How do you how do you fund that? Right. Now they can go and get sponsorships, but you know once they're on the ground, you have to get them to the venues. Right. And on nights where they're not working, you got to put them in a hotel. And you got to coordinate all this, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's um, and it's tough. Yeah. And then you meet musicians okay. now. Musicians now, all of them are in. Six or seven bands because they have to because right. you have to right. to make money and wow. the the club scene you know the, the places where you can play original music are few and far between almost non-existent anymore yeah. you don't have the troubadour and the rock right. and the whiskey and the it, it's and- it's a different it's a different world so but I enjoy working I enjoy artists that are that have enough heart. To put up with the struggle. Sure. Because if they're trying to do this, I mean, they know what they're up against. Sure. It's but not like they don't, they don't know. Right. So I think somebody who's got that kind of like, I'm going to make this happen. Drive and desire. Yeah. I'm not giving up. Right. And that's the kind of artist you want to work sure. with. Sure. Sure. But, but the other side of coin is there's also a shortcut. YouTube. Well, so there's all these streaming platforms, sure. right? <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, the thing is, how do you, how do you rise above the what, whatever four hundred thousand new pieces of music every month? I mean, it's some astronomical right. number. And in Pennsylvania, what's what's the minimum wage here? Is it still seven dollars and fifty? Okay, yeah. okay. If you want to make minimum wage in Pennsylvania right. at seven fifty an hour, right. which isn't much money, right? Um, you have to stream a song like five hundred thousand times a month for five or six months, right? Just to even get just to, to that. get minimum. What a wage. perspective! What a way to put that in perspective and realize how tough it is. So when I, when someone comes to me and they and they want me to work with them, I go, you know, I have that discussion of like, right, you know, all right, if uh, if we have to hire musicians, you know, if right. we have to do X, Y, and Z, you know, I mean, just you know, we have to buy drives to record to, right, or if they right. want to record the tape, right. Tape has gotten really expensive. A two-inch reel of tape, I think, is like I think the last one I bought was three hundred and seventy-five dollars, <laughs> and at thirty IPS, that's fifteen minutes of music. Wow! So maybe you can get three songs on there. Wow! Yeah, and, if you and, cut them down to three hundred five, you know, yeah, said, yeah. So you have wow. to make sure the artist really understands what they're up against, sure. and they're up against it. A huge brick wall, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. But if they want to do it, if they go, I don't care. I'll do whatever it is. There's I'll, your guy or girl. I'll yeah person. And and uh, you know then at the other end of the scale, you look at somebody like Taylor Swift, right? Who's probably going to do six, seven hundred million dollars this tour, <sighs> and she is amazing, a right. young woman, and she's driving that bus. Oh, absolutely. She's yeah. making the decisions, right? 
and she is incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's, and uh, she's a local girl from around this part yeah. of the world, which is really interesting. <clears throat> and I, the women are ruling it right now. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and but her tour, when you look, you know, there was the the, the debacle of her tickets. Right, right. <clears throat> and unfortunately, you know, these resellers jump on and get tickets. Mm-hmm. And I saw when they played in Philly at the link, right, a seat. Not the very top row right. at the back, right. but like two rows down was twenty four hundred dollars. That's just crazy. And you know the artists are getting kind of tired of that too. I think as well. I think yeah, and, it, and it's not the artist's fault. Yeah. you know you have to work within. You know, there's behemoth <laughs> entities yeah. that run these things, exactly. and they have taken it over. Yep, absolutely. And you know, it used to be you'd go out on tour and. There'd be a different promoter everywhere you went, and right. you knew all the promoters. Right, and they were all you know whatever they they now, each city or town or area. Now you have one this thing, this giant <laughs> I think thing. The behemoth was the best the word. Cosmos <laughs> somewhere. It's like they're like Amazon of uh, the music of the music business. Absolutely. You so know? when we return. We're going to find out who these pesky rascals are, and we're going to come after them with a, I think it's a wooden spoon that will kill them. I think that, <laughs> anyway, when we return with the Classic Auto Mall podcast, uh, we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. See you in a minute. It's a museum. It's a showroom. It's an experience. The Classic Auto Mall in Morgantown, Pennsylvania is 336,000 square feet of rare, custom, and specialty automobiles on display and on consignment. From the earliest production cars to modern exotics, Classic Auto Mall is a feast for the eyes and the memories. Stroll through time in any season in this climate-controlled facility that you simply have to see to believe. Admission is free. Just remember to bring comfortable shoes. If you love classic cars, you're going to want to listen to The Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello on America's Web Radio. Live every Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern at americaswebradio.com or on demand on your favorite podcast app. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back with the Classic Auto Mall podcast from the Classic Auto Mall studio in beautiful sunny downtown Morgantown, Pennsylvania. What's that driving by there, Steve? Oh, that's a, what is that? Oh, it's a, it's a Riata, a black Riata. That's an unusual color. We, we get to see a window shop for cars all day long. Uh, They just drive by, by past it. It used to be sunny. <laughs> yeah, that uh, we have some Canadian smoke. Yeah, I think it's a chemical a. plant fire A, a. <laughs> caused by Getty and Alex, yeah. and because uh, they're still <laughs> I don't know they're pissed because Canadian bands didn't get what they deserve. I loved Rush growing up. I was you know of course you never met a girl who liked the band Rush. They women hated Rush for but some reason. When I saw that drum kit, oh, I was God. like. He's either, they must either use three microphones to mic it or 90. Or 90. Yeah, it can only be, like, tri- yeah, all or nothing. I mean, I saw that kit and I went, oh, I, I, if, if the drummer came, if a drummer came in and set that up, I would just go jump off the roof of the building. <laughs> you imagine his drum tech? I bet he went through quite a few of them. Don't you imagine over the years? Cause you they know, were just like, oh, to hell with it. This is just too much work. I mean, like having that many Tom Toms, where do you start yeah. the first right. pitch? Of the first Tom Tom, <laughs> so the last one isn't just a piece of mud, right? You know, what I mean, you got And then the way he would play them was oh, so and, amazing. And that's the thing; he used everything. It wasn't like he put it up and go, "Oh, look at this." Yeah, he actually was a really good drummer, and he played everything. And a great lyricist, and a great everything. I mean, I mean what an amazing band! Yeah. By the way, if those of you don't realize, this is a car show, and we've been talking music, but. 
Obi is a car guy too, and has been for a long time. There was a picture of you and Bon Jovi uh, on the cover of Street Rod or Super Chevy magazine. Rod, well, his uh, well, we were we we were together on Rod and Custom. Rod and Custom, that was it. Sorry. It's my thirty-two and his fifty-seven right, Nomad, right. but his seventy Chevelle was in one of those Chevy. Right, right after we, after or, we did yeah. it. How cool is that, though? I'll tell you what. He loves that car. Oh, I bet. And uh, it, it's great. It's got a 454 in it. Right. And, you know, it's got the cow induction. Right. And what a what a great what a great car. And that thing, he takes it to his summer house right. and drives it when everybody in the town where he is is in their little Range Rover or, <laughs> you know, Bentley. And here yeah. comes the... Yeah. You know, the tops down, making all this noise. Yeah, those those rock stars. Yep. But you. he's had he's had some great cars over oh, the years. Bet. He had a he had a '58 Corvette. Oh, he had love those. Uh, I think it was a '69 Camaro. I mean, he's had he he had that '57 Nomad. Right. He had a Nomad that I was in love with. Right. And it was a 454. Right. Four wheel disc brakes. Nice. Good uh, driver. Yeah. Good, good one to drive. R700 yeah. overdrive, yeah, yeah. tranny in it. So you got modern conveniences, but with still the cool <clears throat> nomad look. And, you know, I've had a lot of cars right. over the years and I, and, and cars that I loved. I had a 63 Impala SS409 convertible what a that I car. bought, four speed that right. I bought off the lot in 19, 19- Probably 69 from a place called Dick Barone Chevrolet in Springfield, Pennsylvania, right outside of Philadelphia. (laughs) Farmer Dick Barone. (laughs) And uh, I loved that car, and the engine blew up on the way back on the Atlantic City Expressway. (laughs) We were playing our band. We were playing in um, Summers Point. So this was your band. This was the band that you were in. Yeah. And we we would play down the shore resorts in the the summer. And – Someone had stolen the gauges really? out of it. Yeah. <laughs> that seems and like a hard thing to do. So steal. <laughs> I put a clamp on the oil line because it was an actual, it was, you know. A mechanical. Yeah. It was a mechanical. <laughs> and I, and the car, the thermostat locked up and I didn't know it. And I'm, we're, I'm going much faster than you were right. supposed to be going Atlantic Expressway. And all of a sudden I'm look, I look at the rearview mirror and there's smoke. And then all of a sudden <laughs> oh, it starts man. bucking and bang. I will tell you what. I've loved all the old cars I've had. And sure. I've had a hundred cars. Sure. Loved them all. When I bought that Hellcat, and let me tell you, <laughs> first of all, heated and air conditioned seats, great restraint system right. and the airbags, amazing sound and radio. 700 plus horsepower. You can drive it like an old lady. You can right. drive it in traffic. And you know what never happens? It never overheats. Never overheats. Never strands you on the side no. of the road. No. Never and leaves you like the 63 Impala did. I got to tell you, it's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and what was Atlantic City like in 1970? I mean, well, man. we never did Atlantic City. We did, we did like oh, the, Ocean City. Right. Uh, Summers Point. Right. Well, Summers Point was the hot place. Right. Here because you had, uh, Bay Shores and Tony Marts, which were the Big places. Right. And we played down the street from them at a place called the Mug. That it was just great. And we had a we had a horn band, so right. we had nine or ten people playing covers or original covers and blood, sweat, and tears and stuff Chicago, like blood, Chicago, sweat, and tears. The electric Chicago. flag, oh, yeah. which very few people aren't going to know. <laughs> I have but no Mike idea. Bloomfield was a guitar player who was well, an unbelievable yeah. guitar player, amazing guy. But um, I want to tell you how many flights of stairs. <laughs> 
that I carry, I help carry a Hammond C3 oh. and two Leslies. Oh, which weigh like two 122 Leslies. They both have mercury in them, right? Um, <laughs> They're just crazy. I mean, yeah. you know, you're a kid. You don't, you know, anybody. You're, you're, you know, you would haul this stuff and have to walk up flights and oh, stairs. I remember doing the same thing. I was a roadie for a band back in the day, and we had Heavy Debbie, the big case that had all the the metal microphone stands, yeah. and lugging that thing up the back stairway of a. It was. <laughs> I don't, you know, I love playing, but <laughs> the rest, of and, it, so. and, but you know, and then I was playing, and and I wanted something to happen, right? You know, I, because I'm, you're doing the same thing over and over right, again. Right. It's Groundhog's Day. Yeah, expecting a different result. You're and, playing the same clubs, and I wanted, I w- I didn't even have lateral movement. I wanted forward movement, right? And um, I'm like, how? And the other thing I knew. I wasn't a great drummer. I was a good drummer. Right. I could keep time. I thought I played good, but there were drummers out there that you, you go, okay, right. well. And that probably weren't signed either. I mean, good no, guys. They no, were, they know. were, but they were, they were terrific musicians and right. they're floundering. They're struggling. They're yeah. doing the same thing I'm doing. And then I knew people that were in wedding bands that were like in their sixties, <laughs> living in a crappy apartment. <laughs> and, Jeez. and at that point, the the light at the end of the tunnel is like, oh, I'm going to keep doing this, and we're going to get a record deal. No, you're not. You're 60. You're in a crummy tuxedo, <laughs> and you're playing in a wedding band, and there's a lot of really good musicians that ended up in that position. Right. And I got a phone call from a player who I played with in Philadelphia. I don't even remember his name. But he said, you want to go out on the road? And this would be in, in- – This is 1971. Right. And I said – well, who is it? And he goes, it's a carnival and they need a, the band needs a drummer for the burlesque show. <laughs> and I'm like, there's a good resume. I'm know. like, where do I have to go? He goes, well, you're going to go up and down the eastern right. seaboard. You're going to go up into Canada. And I said, I said, yeah, why not? And I mean, at the time I had a, 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 a young son, right. you know, like two years old. Right. So you but, needed a paycheck. Yeah. And, and I, I knew it was just going to be Groundhog's Day. It was right. going to keep going over and over. So I went, and let me tell you, <laughs> that was a learning experience. Right. And actually, I, so I went and I did it, and it was a real eye-opener, right. watching how that mechanism sure. worked. About a month after I got there, there was, I, I saw this one guy. He kept walking around. And you know, you can look at somebody and go, well, they don't belong here. Right. I don't know what they place. are, yeah. but, but these are out of place. place. So he comes up to me at one point and he goes, my name is Martin Burke, and I'm going to do a documentary about this carnival. And he said, I'd, I've been watching you. And he goes, I've got some people who I want to be main characters. And I said, well, this is just a lark for me. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to spend my life here, but I'm sure everyone who works at a carnival has right. said that. Oh, and sure. Then, yeah. then it's, and then 70 years right, later. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, uh, so he said, I get it. I get it. So he wanted me to sign a release, which I did. And that movie came out and he took me to an art house in New York to see it for the first time. Right. And I, it was, I was dying because I have a big nose. Right. And when I looked at that screen, <laughs> I went, Oh my God. What is that thing in the middle? But it's actually some friends of mine have found it. It's on Amazon. You can buy oh it. Oh my God. How funny. I think it's three dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Carnivals. Carnivals. By Martin Burke. Plural. And and there is a uh 
a trailer out there somewhere, and it's me, and I ended up with one of the uh, strippers slash exotic dancers, <laughs> wait, whatever you want to call it. you say you ended up with? <laughs> you know, I, I, which was, you know, it was, there, there was a lot of moving parts right. to it. I got it. But, say uh, no more. So she and I are in it a lot. Right. Yeah. You know, like, and is it you talking about the experience, or is it you just it, talking in normal conversations? Well, you know, we were both married and both had children, right. young kids, right. and it was like talking about that. And 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 all I wanted to do was be in – I wanted to have a rock and roll band. I didn't know – at that point, I still didn't know exactly what I wanted right. to do, but I had – I built a small recording studio when I was probably a senior in high school in my right. parents' basement. Right. And my father had a big band. He had a big swing band. Really? And they would play on Steel Pier. Yeah, I've got yeah. pictures of my father's. You know, it's like Gene Krupa, Freddie and the Dreamers, and then Bill O'Brien Orchestra. And what did he play? What did your dad My father was a drummer. Oh. And that's why that's I played drums because they were, the drums were in the house. It, it didn't cost any money. Yeah. They were already there. I can beat on that. Yeah. Right. And, you know... I, you know, like I, I was looking for something, but my father had an early Sony tape recorder. Right. And it had it, when I was reading the book on it, there's this thing called sound on sound. I'm like, what is that? You could record on one track, play it back, record to that other track, because it had a, a sync head, mm-hmm. and it would be in time. Wow. And I was like, so I went to the library, and I got a bunch of books on recording, mm-hmm. and at that, you know, we're, we're talking the 60s. Right. So the, biggest tape machine that was in there was a three track mm-hmm. you know it talked about an ampex three track machine right um but i understood the technology was the same as the sony except there was just an in that head stack was bigger right and it had another little another gap little, in there yeah. so I, I i remember thinking oh you could make this eight tracks if you want Ooh, eight oh track, eight how track. cool would that That'd be? be great you were way ahead of the curve there so i read about that and then i got a couple books out of the library about acoustics and right. studios and back then in the book you would see a studio and it would have those tiles, the perforated tiles right, on the wall, right. you know, right. and, and, and it was, it was archaic. It was, right. everything was dead, 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 dead. But I built something in there to record my band and we, and I bought anybody listening is not going to remember this, right. but Lafayette, Lafayette Electronics. Right. You could buy a microphone mixer that you could put five microphones in right. for $12. <laughs> $12. Which was a lot of money back then, though. It wasn't nothing, you know. You know, and you would buy microphones there for, you know, $11. Right. They you know, they were dynamic. Right. You know, they weren't even <laughs> condenser mics. But I and, – and, and I made some recordings. At the time, I said, well, this is pretty good. Now, I didn't have any EQ right. or compression, you know, so I didn't have a lot All of the stuff tools, you yeah. use. But I was able to get something that approximated – a mix out of it. Right. So I go and do the carnival, and uh, at one point I go, okay, it's it's time to leave the carnival. Right. <clears throat> and I came back, and I I had feebly attempted to write a couple songs because right. you know everybody thinks writing a song is easy. It's so easy. It's just moon, and June, yeah. spoon, balloon. Hey, <laughs> Love. I gotta, all I got to do is rhyme a couple words. <laughs> Yeah. It's the most difficult thing in the world. Because every song is in a dictionary. Like every song, every word yes. ever written is in a dictionary. You could just get it from there. Well, and here's what it is. Songwriting right. is the last magic on this planet. I don't If you're going to build a house, mm-hmm. you go get plans. Right. It tells you exactly. You need this many laminates, two by tens, two by sixes, plywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. You sit at a piano. Right. 
there's 88 notes. What's the first chord you play? Right. Okay, there you got that. What's the first melody note right. that you hit that you're going to sing inside of that chord? Right. What's the first lyric that's going to be undeniable that's going to make someone want to pay attention to the story you're right. going to tell them? It's incredibly hard. Yeah, and, look, look at Neil Young after the Gold Rush is a yeah. great example. It's the simplest song you could ever yeah. find. Carol King stuff, simple as the day How about is long. Carol King? Yeah, the one tapestry. Of the, oh my! Well, I'm a heavy metal rock and roll Van yeah. Halen guy. She, and tapestry kills it. it I love it, it. I listen to that record every once in a while. We pull it out yeah. and we listen to it because it's unbelievable. She wrote Pleasant Valley Sunday that the Monkees had a hit with. Right. I mean, that's right. I forgot Goff, about that. Goffin and King. Yeah. All the record, all the songs they wrote for other people. Absolutely. And I've been lucky to be around unbelievable songwriters. And it is truly, you know, when I used to watch how it came together. Amazing. You'd be like, this is, this is unbelievable. So I tried writing something. I don't think it was very good. But well, have we heard it? No. <laughs> okay. No, that ever, tells I, you. <laughs> my, you know, my family members have heard it because I, I forced them to listen to driven, it. Driven it into <clears> their heads, <throat> right? But, um, but so I hired great musicians and went to a studio up in North Jersey. Right. And that was a 16-track studio, wow. two-inch tape, right. 16-track, with a guy who was a very well-known engineer, Ed Stasium. Right. And when I was done that session, I went, this is what this, I want to do. This is my path. Do. This is my pathway. Anyway, when we return, we will continue our conversation with O.B. O'Brien and talk about maybe some rock star moments and maybe some more car stuff on the Classic Automall Podcast. We'll be back in a couple minutes to see you. Since the 1960s, J.C. Taylor has been America's premier specialty insurance provider for classic cars, antique autos, modified, and custom vehicles. Our customers have trusted us to protect their prized possessions for more than six decades. For more information, or to receive a quote, contact our expert team today by calling 888-ANTIQUE or by visiting our website at jctaylor.com slash awr. That's 888-268-4783. Or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. It's a museum, it's a showroom, it's an experience. The Classic Auto Mall in Morgantown, Pennsylvania is 336,000 square feet of rare custom and specialty automobiles on display and on consignment. From the earliest production cars to modern exotics, Classic Auto Mall is a feast for the eyes and the memories. Stroll through time in any season in this climate-controlled facility that you simply have to see to believe. Admission is free, just remember to bring comfortable shoes. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back with the Classic Auto Mall podcast from the Classic Auto Mall studio. Hey, if you had not been to our website, ClassicAutomall.com, don't forget we've got an auction coming up uh, September 15th. It's going to be 125 vehicles and last about four or five hours, so we won't keep you here all day, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you'll be able to get more information on our website here in the next couple of days. In the studio with us, continuing on with uh, O.B. O'Brien, who has worked with everybody but done a lot of work with uh, John Bon Jovi. How did you and John meet and connect? How did that uh, happen? <clears throat> I was working at the Power Station Recording Studio in New York, which was like nice. the place. Mm-hmm. Everybody, if you were anybody, you recorded at the Power Station. And John's cousin owned 
that studio. And I was up doing work for him. And uh, John got hired as a sort of like do a lot of stuff. You know, I mean, I mean, he helped straighten the place up. A handy, you know. Or a maintenance guy or whatever you want to call he, it. Right? You know, while well, he wound up Mike Cables and... You know, they, you know, but this is what everybody does when you first get into a studio. You, you go out and you get the food. You know, you're sort of a grunt. Right. And, but he availed himself. He said, I'm going to learn how everything works here. So even when he was off the clock, he was down there watching sessions. I mean, he got invited into, Steven Tyler invited him in to, to see a session at like two in the morning. And he watched all these amazing artists, but he wanted to learn how a console worked, what a compressor did. Most musicians don't know that, right? No, no, but he wanted to learn and he was relentless and he was writing and writing and you know, when you meet, so I met him when he was 18, and when you met him, you go, there's something special right, about right. this artist. Right. You know, there are artists like that that you, that you meet and, and you just sense. Right. And, you know, I, I got to hear demos that he was writing while he was there at the power station. Would he record in, in, in uh, unoccupied studios when they yeah. weren't available? And he, would, <clears throat> and he could turn on the stuff by himself, right? So. Well, oh, he, you know, people, you know, he was such a good guy. You know, people helped him out. Liked him and helped him. And, and you know, and then uh, <clears throat> he knew what he wanted to do, though. He knew where he was supposed to be. Right. And he knew this was a stepping stone. Sure. You know, he was a very, very bright young man. Mm-hmm. And... uh you know, he did, he did everything. He, once he got his demos together, he took it to every record company on the East Coast, went to the West Coast, slept on the beach, went to every record company, got turned down by everyone. Sure. Until a radio station in New York did one of those homegrown records. Right, right. And Runaway got on that. I mean, he went to see, he went to a new radio station that was so new, they, they didn't even have like security. He, he was able to walk <laughs> in late at night and talk to this guy and like go, here's the song I did. I mean, right. which is like, yeah, would never you, you know, American Graffiti. Oh yeah. When he goes in and there's the wolf man. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, but that stuff doesn't happen, right. but that's it what did. happened. Right. Yeah. And he got on that record and the response was, Unbelievable! Now it's becoming a regional hit in New York, Philadelphia, right. uh, Boston, and the rest is history. Wow, you know that's he he got a manager back then, Doc McGee, yeah, who who was managed Kiss, managed the crew, the crew. Yeah, I mean, he did. I mean, and Doc in his early days for like a minute was James Brown's. I mean, he his history. Right, Doc McGee is Barnum and Bailey yeah. together. He's an amazing, but a good guy. guy in that. And not all of those guys are good no, guys no. in that role. And he he basically said, "I'll make you the biggest stadium act in history." And he did it. Well, it was a combination of Doc and what he was able to do. But John is a unbelievably smart, astute guy. And he, it, not just a great artist, he's a great businessman. Well, that's most important because this guy, little things will happen that I'm going to forget in 10 seconds. Right. 10 years later, he goes, well, you know, we did that and there was that place right. and it had the, and I go, how do you remember that? It just because it's ingrained <clears throat> in him, right? So Could he have done it with, with his, would he have had the success that he had without Richie? Was Richie that integral into the band? And I don't mean he, that to he, diminish no, Richie. He, here's the great thing. Richie and John singing together. Oh my God. That only happens very, very, like, 
Lennon, like family heart. Lennon and McCartney, yeah. Yeah. the Everly Brothers, mm-hmm. John and Richie, when those guys would sing together, you just go, how does this happen? Right. It, it was, like I mean, the, just when we'd be in the studio just doing the demos and putting stuff together, and and they're they're just singing. You know, it's not... Like, this isn't making the record. This is just, we're putting these pieces down. It was magic. Right. And he was a great guitar player, and yeah. he has some iconic guitar parts. Yeah. And, and he used the talk box, which hardly <clears throat> anybody uses. Yep. yep. And and the thing is, all the members of that band, it's like, it, it, I always said, you know, you think about the Beatles. They're in Liverpool. If you've ever been to Liverpool, Liverpool was a working class town. Sure. It had been bombed during the war, mm. but, it, you know, it was a port. And here are these four guys walking around Liverpool right. that get together and become the, the Beatles. So here are these guys in Jersey. Right. They're all from Jersey. And not Jersey as we know it here, which is we know South Jersey. Yeah. They don't even know, they don't know South Jersey exists. It's like another world to them. It's right? another world. They think there's like a border at you know Ocean City, Maryland, <laughs> where you have to have a passport and, and, and change your money, right? But those guys, Dave, Alec, Tico, Richie, and John, right. just those guys meeting and then having a manager who was smart, right. savvy, and knew how the game was played. Right. But I will say this. It doesn't matter who John had in his band. That band would have been successful. successful. He's focused He's driven. He's he's just the, one of the greatest human beings I've ever met in my life. How does a guy like that, when he gets to the the twilight years of his career, is it is it a slow progression to you know you're not as famous as you were, not as much in the limelight as you were back when you were doing stadium tours, but he still is well known as anybody on the planet, well, right? I mean, he, it, his fame hasn't diminished. No, and here's the thing: it's not that he's. I look at him. You know, I've known him since he was 18, so we've been right. friends for 43 years. Wow. Yeah. The thing is, what he has done to help people, his philanthropic, right. is unreal. He's got the soul kitchens mm-hmm. where you can come. It doesn't matter if you have money. Right. You can bring your family and in dignity eat in a beautiful restaurant, mm-hmm. beautiful food. I, what he's done in Philadelphia, you know, he, he partnered with Sister Mary Scullion, right. Project Home. The amount of housing units they have built together, what the you know what he's been able to do. He'd be long remembered for that as much as he'll be remembered as a absolutely. As a I mean, he he has done, th- and I've seen him change people's lives. And I'm not talking about oh, here's a check, right, right, hands yeah. on and help people wow. out of incredibly difficult situations. Wow. And you know, I've I've been doing this with him for a long time and you don't you don't stay with anyone for a long long time for money no you know it becomes beyond you have to you have to believe in what they do mm-hmm. and i admire all the guys in that band they're but that's all, probably a two-way street they believe in what you <clears> do too well you know again i'm i'm lucky enough John's children like me a lot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and my wife and I were, we got to be the in-house babysitters, which was really great. That's awesome. So we watch him grow up. But, you know, it's just everything. What he does outside of mm-hmm. music, but watching him create music is, you know, it, I, I watch him write, you know, and I write with these young artists. Sure. And then 
when I hear what he's done, I go, oh, I suck. And it's the same dictionary, right? It's yes. the same words. But he's – he, you know – and and I've been, you know, <clears throat> you go to one of our stadium shows. There's eighty five thousand people, and he's singing "Bed of Roses," and people are weeping. And you know, the fans tell you what you learn from them is when they're in a place with eighty thousand people, the other seventy nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine fade away, yeah. and they have a one on one experience mm-hmm. with that artist, with that lyric, and it means. And I've had. Thousands of them come up and go. This happened to me. My mother passed away. My right. father has terminal. And you can't teach that. I either. was at the end of my rope. Right. I, you know, I didn't know if I wanted to go on. And then I heard them do this song. Right. And I listened to the lyric, and I know everything's going to be okay. That I mean, you you can't fake that. No. You can't bottle it. You can't, you can't buy, buy it. it. Nope. <laughs> you can't. And, you know, he, you know, he used to come into Philly and watch bands at the Spectrum. And, you know, bands would go on, you know, two, two and a half hours late. And he said to himself, I'm never going to be that guy. Right. I'm never going to be that band. And, <clears throat> you know, never went on late. And in the whole history of the 2,348, <laughs> you know, whatever, how many concerts, I think they've They've had to close a, 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 a show down maybe four or five times. Out of all those shows. Yeah. I mean, it's he understands what it takes for people to come to a show. Right. You, if you have kids, you've got to get a babysitter. You've got to get in your car. You've got to drive to the venue. The venue's going to charge you 25 or $30 to park. You're going to go in. You're going to have a crappy hot dog right. that's $9. Right. You're going to have a watered-down beer that's $12. And then, you know, you have to buy your seat, and you want to buy some merchandise. Right. Uh, he and then you get some guy who phones <clears throat> in the performance. Yeah, not him. And never, I've never, ever, 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 ever seen this guy phone, even come close to phoning right. in. He understands <clears throat> what these people in the audience have, and he wants to give them a great show because he he was them at one point. He in time. was them. Yeah. He never forgot. Yeah, and that's what it's all about. I mean, that's that's ultimately what we do here on a daily basis. Yeah. and what you did for your career is doing something you love. I, I love have it. as equal amount of passion as I do for cars as I do for music. I love yeah. both of them a lot, and it's a lot of fun. And thank you so much for being on well, the show today. Thanks for uh, having yeah, me up here. We'll this do it place, again. This place is great. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I still have eight pages of stuff to talk about with you that we didn't even get to. So we're gonna have to do this I'll, again. I'll come back another time. Yeah, please do. Uh, once again, O.B. O'Brien in the studio with us today. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks, Stuart. Thanks yeah, for thank having you. me. Classic Automall Podcast, ClassicAutomall.com. We'll see you then. We appreciate you listening to our show, and don't forget to come visit us in person next time you're in southeastern Pennsylvania. Admission is free, and our hours are on our website, ClassicAutomall.com. You can reach us by telephone at 888-227-0914 or via email at info at classicautomall.com. To reach the show, email us at podcast at classicautomall.com. The Classic Auto Mall podcast is produced by Car Smarts Media with music by the Pat Travers Band. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.